Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. Joining me live from an airplane, apparently. <laughs> uh, repackaged, as it were, is Tom Bragg, formerly of Charleston newspapers. God, I don't even know the name of that. The Huntington Publishing Company. What was that called? H HD Media at the end. HD Media. Formerly, that's what matters most, Tom Bragg. Um, evidently on an airfield. Is that correct? I just happened to be near a window, and I think there was a car going by. Oh, a car. Okay. Moment that, that, you, that you hit record. But, man, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, good. Timing is everything with the uh, the traffic and also at a point now where I'm in the mood to not talk about pandemics and uh, R0 and exponential growth or anything like that. So this is a, a good opportunity because we have good things and good news to talk about with sports, I think. We can get into that, but excited for you, Tom. Spreading your wings, um, odd circumstances to say the least, but sometimes you, you kind of have some time and you clear your deck and you get to do some stuff you wanted to do. And you're out on your own, free agent, but somewhat attached to your own project now. I want to get the name right because I keep calling it This Week in West Virginia Sports, but it's This Week in WV Sports, correct? Yes, this week and WVSports.com is the website mm -hmm. address, but I've, you know, we have a podcast that goes along with it, with it and a Patreon. I often refer to it as this week and West Virginia sports. That was more of a uh, convenience thing with uh, getting a shorter URL, but yeah, either one's fine. It's very yeah. uh, Mel Allen this week in baseball. <laughs> I was, that kind of is what a uh, sort of the light bulb moment. I was thinking about what do I want to call this thing? There was an old episode of This Week in Baseball one because there's no actual baseball one. I was like, oh, man, that might not be bad. I might be able to rip that off. So I did. Do you have the theme music? Because the theme music was my favorite part of that at the intro. You know, I, I thought about it, and I was worried about getting popped for copyright. But I don't know. We, mm. might, uh, we might dip our toe in those waters. Just see how it goes at some point. So I mentioned your prior affiliations. Uh, we sat next to each other in press boxes. We used to work at the same paper for a little bit. Um, but then... The whole world changed in the middle of March, and here you are with your own endeavor right now. Kind of got nudged in this direction here. Sure, I don't know if it's a, if it's a, an old wound or, or whatever, but I think there's some good out of this. But it was preceded by something that probably wasn't the best. I would think nervous time. But how did you end up in this situation? So it was kind of a whirlwind towards the end of basketball and the end of my tenure at the paper. So I go back to the the last regular season game in Morgantown, the Baylor game, the big upset. Mm -hmm. You had just started to hear about all of this coronavirus stuff, and, and people were starting to be a little bit more cautious, and I hadn't been feeling great the day before in the morning of the game, so I didn't go. I was in Charleston. I usually would get up and drive up to Morgantown for the games on game days, and I didn't go that time. I stayed home. I figured there's a building full of 18,000 people. I don't want to get them sick. I don't want them to make me any more sick. I'll stay home. We'll go to Kansas City. We'll, we'll hop back on when the tournament gets started. So I fly out to Kansas City, and I got there Tuesday. I guess the Mountaineers had a practice on Wednesday morning. I go back to my room. I write my story. I get a little bit of barbecue. I take a nap. I wake up, and the entire world has changed. They've canceled the NBA. Things are starting to get shut down. And the next morning, everything else got canceled, and, uh, and we came home. About a week later, The uh, I guess times had gotten really tight at the paper really fast, and they called me up and said that I was – temporarily laid off. Now, I haven't heard anything back from them since, so I'm assuming that it's a little more than temporary at this point. If they called me back, I would sure be, I'd be open to having that conversation. But since I haven't heard anything from them, I wanted to do something to stay active, you know, writing and reporting and 
keeping up with sports the way that we do professionally, it's it's kind of like riding a bike, but it takes you a little while to get back in the groove if you uh, if you get a little rusty. And I didn't want to get rusty, so I started this week in West Virginia sports. Uh, it's a I don't want to call it a blog, but I've got a Patreon attached to it. You get a weekly newsletter. There's going to be some exclusive podcasts just for the Patreon. Uh, right now, I've got planned like uh, watch alongs. We're going to watch an old Marshall Mac championship game. I'm looking for some Mountaineer games to watch, maybe some some high school games, and just sort of watch, have like a um, like a podcast where you hit play at the same time as I'm watching along, and you can kind of follow along as I give you so some background and some history on things. And there's also a free podcast that's on all of the major podcast platforms. There's links on the website on our our Twitter. And yeah, that's just kind of where we're at now. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to stay busy. I don't think people realize how involved working in a newspaper is. Like I worked in a, like a, a satellite office, but I was covering the team, but I have to cover high school sports every so often. They're up here. You have to pitch in on a tab. Um, I was yeah. also doing a blog on the side. And that's just for someone who doesn't work in the office. You were working in the office. And what people probably also don't know about you is you designed our high school sports website and had a lot to do with that getting off the ground and running and did a bunch of high school stuff and or pagination in there too. How time consuming was the work for you when you were a full 37 and a half hour week guy? It was, it was very time consuming. It was, it was time consuming in a different way. Once I moved on to the WVU beat, but the time in the office, you mentioned pagination, you know, that's daily deadlines every night with two editions. You're getting the stories at the last second because that's when reporters turn them in because that's just what reporters do. I'm guilty of that, too, as a reporter, just mm-hmm. how it is. Um, but you're, you're pulling things in from uh, from every different direction, stories, photos, wire stories, wire photos, uh, taking calls for agate, taking calls for box scores, talking to high school coaches, talking to high school players. You know, it's, it's all over the place. And there's. You mentioned 37 and a half hours. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's a lot more. <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's a lot less. If uh, Once you kind of got into the groove of how the seasons went on a yearly basis, like I said, sometimes it was more than that, and it was a lot more than that. But sometimes you could get by on a little less than that. So I think it kind of evened out in the end. But, but man, it's a, it's a lot, and there's a lot that goes into it. And I think on the front end, like you said, you might not realize – everything you have to do to get a high school sports website ready when you've got 15 teams in the Canal Valley and we're trying to have schedules and rosters and photos for all the players. And that's just before the games start. That's before you're worrying about games and which ones you're going to cover and which ones you're going to send photographers to and all that. It's, I could bore you with the details of that all day long, but yeah, it's a lot. West Virginia is a big state and I shouldn't say a big state, but like it's a big state when it comes to, you know, two Division One football programs, two Division One colleges, a pretty vibrant small college circuit, especially down in your neck of the woods. High schools are really important because of just the local nature of interest, and um, that kind of goes year-round, too. What do you plan on fitting on the website? I'm trying to – really feeling it out, doing a little bit of everything. Obviously, the two Division One schools kind of um, – oh, that's a good way to put it. They, uh, they're the big sails on the sailboat. The wind is going to push them, but everything else is, is important too. People are into it. You know, you, you look at the metrics for things when we, when I used to work at the newspaper, you look at who's reading what on the website and it's almost always WVU sports at the top, Mm -hmm. Marshall behind significantly, but, but in second place. And then not far behind them, you've got your high schools, 
your Mountain East conferences, just your local stories of interest, stories about guys from around here that have gone on to do other things in sports. So I'd like to touch just a little bit on everything and just whatever whatever the big story is. I'm not trying to be a, like an all-encompassing newspaper type thing, but coming from that background, I'd like to have a thumb in, in just about all of those pies. Just whatever's going on that week, that's what we want to be talking about. It's kind of fun. We had a beat. We never wanted to do anything else outside of our beat. And now that you don't have a beat, you want to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. And you I, fall think, asleep. I think I think I'm a, almost uniquely equipped for it because there's not many people. I'll toot my own horner a little bit. There's not a whole lot of people in West Virginia that have covered sports in West Virginia that have covered WVU and Marshall and high schools and small colleges like I have. I worked at the Fairmont paper. I covered Fairmont State and the Mountain East Conference Back then, it was the West Virginia Conference. I went to Marshall. I came up covering sports at Marshall and going to Marshall games. And obviously, I've been on the West Virginia beat and worked at the paper for years. So I think I've got a, a unique perspective that not a whole lot of people could have for this. That's the on-demand soundbite right there for the website. Yep. You can borrow that from us. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, go to bed. You take a nap in Kansas City. You wake up, grab your cell phone, turn on the laptop. You must have felt like Rip Van Winkle. And that you had fallen asleep and everything changed. We we were hanging out before this and had an idea that something was coming. Um, that you know there was this virus that was contagious, whatever. I look back at the things I was texting to people at that time, or just writing down, and I can remember thinking I sent a text to my wife, actually a, a Facebook messenger message, and it said like I don't think they're going to allow the media around the players at the Big Twelve tournament, which was a day before like sports shut down could you have imagined at the time that this would have happened it really started to feel real that wednesday night the night that the big 12 tournament opened when they actually had fans in the arena i believe it was was that iowa state kansas state i I forget who it was and i thought about like do i want to go over there because this could be the last game game that you get to go to for who knows how long but on the other hand it's like well there's a reason why they're shutting all this down. If I don't have to be around all these people, I don't, I don't think I necessarily want to. So yeah, it was just sitting in a hotel room in Kansas city, taking all of this in, trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? Obviously the reporter instincts kick in and I'm like, well, we got to go over to the arena first thing in the morning when they say they're going to, they're going to tell us something. Of course, that's when they canceled the big 12 tournament and ran up to Texas tech and Texas were on the court warming up and they ran them out of there. We're like, Oh, well, here we go. And it really was just a whirlwind, 24 hours or so after that, that was at noon. And I was back in Charleston by 10 o'clock that night with getting flights changed and everything. And it's just been a very different world ever since that day. My experience is similar. I was here. I didn't travel to Kansas city because we have, we have a me in Kansas city to cover stuff like that. So I didn't get to experience that. I think it would have been really cool to be on the ground in Kansas city and try to sort things out there. Like It was a very interesting experience. It's one of those reporter experiences you won't forget, but yeah, it was not necessarily a good one, but interesting for sure. Yeah. But they had a news conference, like a spring football news conference on that Thursday. And it was the first time you're supposed to talk to the players. And I can remember talking to our photographer saying, grab as many photos as you can. This is probably it. And he was going, what do you mean? And I was like, I, I think this is like the last one. And I can remember uh, Neil Brown being in there t- taking our questions. And I feel bad for him now. Uh, he had no idea how to handle this. It was happening so fast. And he's got his ears and eyes and everything else. I mean, Kelly Zinn had to come in, and, and she was there. Fortunately, she's the athletic director who handles all of the football stuff. She's a football administrator. She had to jump in and try to answer questions. And that the was curiosity. all kind of happening simultaneously with the Big 12's press mm-hmm. conference, wasn't it? We left, and a lot of people have their phones on airplane mode, and they're at least on silent. 
because you want to record stuff and you don't want interference or whatever. And we all turned it on and it was like, I think the SEC or ACC or maybe both had just canceled, period. And we're thinking that there's no way the Big 12 would be far behind. And West Virginia was supposed to play that night, too. Right. So we're all trying to figure out what's going to happen. And then, you know, I think somebody, I don't know, in or around Oklahoma's program said that it was off and it kind of went downhill from there, too. Um, this will have a ton of reverberations for a long time. But pivot back to your site. One of the things I think is really cool and something you've written about, as you mentioned, you know people at both programs. So you have some insight on this, too. But this whole concept of a mutant league with um, Conference USA and Sunbelt Conference, it seems almost too good to be true, but it might be good enough to be true. Where do we stand on a, a merger of sorts here, whether it's just a, a matter of convenience for now or if it's something that kind of maybe does actually happen with some legs? One thing about conference realignment talk is that you always hear the same thing from athletic directors whenever somebody throws a question at them, like, oh, we're happy where we're at. We're we're good with our current situation. Maybe, maybe you mentioned we'll assess things when the contract comes up again. But Louisiana, I believe it was Louisiana Lafayette's athletic director said, yeah, maybe it is time we look at something like this. So I think there might be a little bit of smoke here. Interested to see if there's some fire. But yeah, my idea was just something I did for fun. You take all of the teams out of Conference USA's East Division and all of the teams out of the Sun Belt's East, East Division. You've got 12 teams between the two. It's a nice, not really compact, but a regional outfit. Everybody is south of the Mason-Dixon line, east of the Mississippi. And I just, I think it would be fun, particularly from the Marshall standpoint. You get teams like Georgia Southern and Appalachian State, who, right. as somebody who grew up going to Marshall games in the late 80s and early 90s when they were a 1AA team, those were the big games every year. Those are teams that are battling for national championships every year. So I think it'd be cool from that standpoint to get that back together. As far as being long-term viable, I don't know, man. I don't know what's... It's so hard to say with so many unknowns right now, but it seems like particularly the group of five schools and, and below, there's going to have to be some belt tightening somewhere. And these conferences where you're going from Huntington, West Virginia to El Paso, Texas, or from, let's say, from coastal Carolina all the way out to, gosh, I couldn't even think of who, to one of the Sun Belt teams. Uh, was it Texas State? Is Texas State in the Sun Belt? Yeah, it's say mm -hmm. you're going from coastal Carolina to Texas State. It just doesn't make financial sense when there's, Schools like Appy State that just had to cut four sports this week, was it? So it seems like something's got to give. This is just, like I said, something I did for fun, but it seems like something that maybe could have some legs if they looked into it. I can remember reading or, or talking to someone about the idea of like a big conference, such as Conference USA, just keep it to like regional opponents to make up the schedule. Like find a way to like do bus rides instead of like big ones like that. So there is definitely some sort of momentum toward an idea of like, hey, how can we help ourselves? But man, if you can help another league help itself and do something like that, that would be cool. I mean, face it, you're going to need some, you're going to have a big appetite for sports. I get that, but this is something that can further distinguish and differentiate. Make people say, Hey, this is actually a pretty cool thing. Let's watch a, you know, let's watch a Marshall Georgia state game. You might not otherwise do that, but like, it's kind of a, a different way to like set it up on a pedestal. I like it. I give you credit if it happened. Oh, I would take it. I would hundred percent take credit if it happened. I would be, I would never, never stop telling people that I will this into existence. Another thing we may have to get used to are our stadiums with no fans or like small fans. Um, probably the biggest pro wrestling fan I know right here. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I've been watching pro wrestling throughout all of this. They haven't had fans in the, in the arenas for that. So I'm kind of used to that at this point. So would it like, could it be similar to having the, the developmental wrestlers, or the lower card wrestlers, 
if you had just like friends and family of the players or just like cheerleaders or whatever, like what, what is this going to look like? And, and how much does it change the product when you don't really have those passionate people who paid for seats and have been looking forward to this three hours for a week or a month or longer? I think it's going to be very strange having so few fans in these big stadiums. You mentioned the wrestling. They have kind of pared things down. They're not cramming cramming. They're not having their other wrestlers come out and participate in the crowd in a 20,000 seat arena. They're doing it in a small like TV studio at this point. So if you go to Mountaineer field, you go to Milan Puskar, Puskar stadium in the fall and there's only say what 25, 30,000 people in it, it's going to feel empty. It's going to feel not to, to dog on, on them, but it's going to feel like a capital high game at Laidley field when there's, you know, a good crowd of several hundred people there and it just feels cavernous and empty because the stadium holds 20,000 people. I have no idea how they're going to do this. I really don't like what's the number and how do you get to it? Like I just yeah. probably unrealistic to think they're going to have 60, 60 plus thousand people in there. And they're talking about, we're going to give our season ticket holders preference. You figure that's going to be, I don't think they're going to hit 25,000. That's their goal. I don't think they will, but let's say, you know, 18, 20,000, you got 12,000 to get to half capacity. Students are going to take up a big chunk of that. I would hope, but even then, you're going to have such a small number. I can't imagine that like the secondary ticket market is going to be very popular this year, right? Only, only like several hundred dollars per tickets. It's going to be a booming place to buy, you know, just to, just to get in and have one of those rare seats this year. Do it totally changes the dynamics of how to get into watch a game or how to pay for a game now. Yeah. I'd be curious to see what the, uh, the freshman class enrollment numbers are going to be for this fall. Just with everything going on. I mean, how many kids will opt to at least the ones on campus? How many would opt to take, Remote or online classes, if that's a, if that's an option, it just seems like everything's up in the air, man. I just I don't know. Every everything is a variable right now that we just don't know. I'll spin it back to my experience here. I have a class that typically has twelve to fifteen students in it, and it's I knew it was going to grow because the major has progressed long enough. Now the major is I think three years old, and they finally have enough people who are old enough to take my class, which sounds like <laughs> a flex, right? <laughs> NC NC seventeen or something like that. But no, like you have to knock out prerequisites. But my, my, I think my classroom has 20 seats in it, and I have a full 20-student roster in there. I don't, I don't know enough about this, but I would think you couldn't have 20 people in the class if you only have 20 seats. That wouldn't seem to be very distant to me. And are you going to take, take up a full lecture hall for 20 students? I don't know. So, like, I wonder how many classes would my class, for example, be bounced online um, just because of logistics and things like that. It's, I mean, and maybe that's a good way to keep the population on campus down. You don't have to have them coming out of their coming out of their um, apartments or their dorm rooms and walking through the lair or, you know, hanging out with people. And, and certainly the traffic would be better. I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be mad about that too, but yeah, man, so much is going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. Um, what do you think about the start dates here? I'm not familiar with any type of plans from conference USA. Yet. I don't think I've seen one, but West Virginia could be June 15th. Um, probably don't have to have equity between February, excuse me, between uh, FBS and, group of five of power five teams here but is that enough time you think for these teams to get up and running and, and does maybe one level need more time than another okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's hard to say. I haven't seen, I was looking the other day if, to see if Conference USA had put anything out. And as a conference, it doesn't seem like they have, but the schools individually are starting to pop up. And Mike Hamrick, Marshall's athletic director, has told several TV stations down in this part of the state that you know, they're, they've been working for several weeks so that they've got a plan in place so they can hit the ground running when they get the green light and they feel like, the NCAA putting that June 1st date out there is the green light. So I think Marshall's aiming for June 1st to get going. So that would be next week. Mm. So this is going to, wow. this is going to get going real soon. It, and I think the June 15th date for the big 12, it's good. It gives you the rest of the month to kind of get your legs under you, get, get back in the weight room. And then you got to hit the ground running and, and have uh, what was it? The, the, if you add that in plus what you would have over the rest of the summer, the, the six week, build-in period to get to get ready for fall camp. I think that's about what you need. So they're cutting it close, but I, I think they can do it if, if everything goes smoothly. That's saying a lot, but if, if it goes smooth, I think they can do it. You're writing preview pieces for the start of camp at West Virginia. You're coming up to cover a practice. Um, first couple of days, we're cherry-picking the, the low-hanging fruit for stories. What are we talking about with West Virginia, do you think? I think it's unavoidable to, to not talk about the quarterbacks the way it was left last season with Jared Daggy performing so well and Neil Brown saying it's going to be a competition. We'll see what happens in the spring. And then you don't get any spring ball. Okay. Well, where are we at now with that? That seems pretty important. Um, I'm curious to see what the sort of rebuilt offensive line is going to look like. You lose a guy like Colton McKivitz. That's a big deal. I think Josh Sills transferring to Oklahoma state is a big deal. I think that's a, a maybe a subtle shot at the current coaching staff. He was in a really good spot with the Holgerson regime, and it just seemed, of course he would never say it, but it, it seemed like he was maybe a little perturbed with the position changes and, and being moved around a little bit, and then he gets hurt, and then all of a sudden he's transferring to a school in your conference. That seems a little on the nose for me. Maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill there, but that just seems interesting to to a reporter. Um, curious to see, obviously, any new guys that are coming in, maybe so what some of these young guys have been doing in the offseason. You see the freshmen like Tyke Smith, Kerry Martin, guys on that defense that played a lot as first-year players. What sort of leap are they making, uh, if any at all, as second-year players? That's just off the top of my head. I'm sure there'd be, be lots going in, but that, that would be on my notepad walking into day one. What are expectations, do you think, for a guy who's trying to bridge momentum from the end of the season without the benefit of a bowl game and then without much of a spring at all into that second year, what some people call his first year. Jesus, don't get me started on that. Yeah. But he's, he's kind of got 
his feet under him, but he really doesn't have firm footing, so to speak, too. I'm not sure he's supposed to win nine or ten games this year, too. I'm pretty confident in saying he should make a bowl, but that's in ideal circumstances. We're talking about some good things he has that, you know, gets you excited about perhaps a good quarterback, some receivers. The secondary may be okay, you have, but you have enough returning talent where you can say this shouldn't be a bad team, but also just haven't had a lot of chances to develop that. You figure you miss probably between 8 and 12 practices for the bowl and then 13 practices for the spring. That's 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 a lot of time that they never really got the mold, and I wonder if that affects what people think before they take the field or what people think after they take the field. It's it's really hard to say. I think with everything that's going on, you almost need to throw any expectations out of the window unless you're one of those blue blood programs where you just you know what the expectations are every year. You mentioned a bowl game. I think that would be the the floor as far as what would be considered a success. I think you get to that and yeah, okay, that's that's where you wanted to be. Obviously you wanted to do more. But you get a pass on that because of everything that's going on now. I don't think they're going to win nine or ten games or anything like that. I think there's a lot of question marks in Morgantown, but also in other places in the Big 12. Um, curious to see what sort of teams you're going to have at Texas, what sort of teams you're going to have at Oklahoma State, what sort of teams you're going to have at Baylor. At Baylor. I think the Big 12 is going to be pretty good. And losing a couple games to a few of those teams might not – be an indicator that something's necessarily wrong with Neil Brown or the Mountaineers. Those are just good teams they're going to be playing. You were around the road games at the end of the season. I was not. Um, yes. The mood. Is it as enthusiastic as, oh God, contagious, I'm sorry, as it seemed to be? And, and do you think that what you witnessed from the people in that, that glow after a win, and then it, as you saw in the days and the weeks between games too, um, how much of a change and how powerful is that? The only person that I did not see openly excited and celebrating on the field at TCU after that win, I guess in the last regular season game, uh, day after Thanksgiving, was Austin Kendall. And everybody else was, you know, hooping and hollering and high-fiving with fans and singing country roads. I think T.J. Simmons might have maybe planted the West Virginia flag somewhere in Fort Worth. But, yeah, I think the enthusiasm was way, way up at the end of the year, so much more so than it was certainly in the middle of the season. I think enthusiasm was high going into the year last year, but it was still so much was unknown. But they took such a turn down. That Missouri game, some of those games at home where they just didn't have the juice in the fourth quarter to get over the hump. I mentioned Texas. That was a, that was a classic case of that. So I think the enthusiasm is going to be high. With what they have coming back, who they have coming back, Another year in this system for a lot of these guys. I think there, there's reason for them to be cautiously optimistic, but optimistic still. Let me take that question. Let me bridge toward my initial question on football. Um, who or what do you want to be talking about week two, week three, uh, maybe even the days before the regular season game? Are there parts of the team, whether it's units or individuals, that you just have your eye on because – I don't know, a hunch, an inkling, a trend makes you think that this is something to watch. This is someone to watch. I'm curious to see how the Stills brothers function as sort of the alpha dogs among that position group along the defensive line. They've kind of been the young guys coming along, obviously being some of the best players on the team, but but still 
younger as far as class and, and time around the team goes. Now they're they're the older guys now. I want to see how they perform in, in sort of that leadership role, see if they're the type that can get other guys to sort of rise to their level. Because if they are, man, that's going to be a really good defensive line, I think. Off the top of my head, I think linebackers is going to be interesting, as it always is, between guys switching positions or guys being hurt. It seems like linebackers been in flux for what, certainly the entire two years I was on the beat. Does that mm-hmm. sound about right? Longer, but yes. Yeah. So I think that's always something that that's worth keeping an eye on. And I think a couple weeks into practice, something that we'll probably be keeping an eye on. And I mentioned the quarterbacks before. I think my hunch would be that maybe it might be settled a week or two into camp. I don't think, I don't think Neil Brown or the team really wants to a repeat of what they had to deal with last year where you went on and on and on with this. Oh, well, maybe there's still some wiggle room. We haven't named the starter yet. I think you want to get that out of the way. I think you want to set your starter. I think it'll be daggy, but you want to see how things go, how, how guys go as far as injuries and health and things like that go. But take all that out. I think it should be daggy. And I think that's something that week two would be worth talking about for sure. Yeah, that's a great point because time is going to be so consolidated as it is. You really don't want to go 50-50 on reps for very long. You want to go, you know, 70-30, 85, you know, 15, something like that um, sooner than later, I would guess. But uh, two more for you, Tom. Um, A run on high school recruits who are becoming pretty good players here and throughout the Power Five. Um, We can reel off names, but, like, I think people know who we're talking about here that are either on college football fields or will be on college football fields here. What has happened with your familiarity in college or in high school sports in the state and and how good is this becoming? Or is this just kind of one of those bumps and maybe it'll it'll go from a peak to a valley soon? I think it's a little bit of all of that. I think social media has played a big part in the kids from at least the kids from the Kanawha Valley that I that I know well getting their highlights out, getting their name out there. They're playing on teams that are, that are going pretty deep in the playoffs. So the newspapers are writing about them. Um, I think of a guy like Kerry Martin, the first time I'll tell my Kerry Martin story here. This is a good place for it. So yes. the first time. So the first time I ever heard of Kerry Martin, I was sitting in the old Charleston. What is, is that mail at that point? It might've been, it was either the last year of the Charleston daily mail or the first year of the Charleston Gazette mail. And it was a it was a daily mail. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. So I'm sitting there. It's the first day of high school football practice, and Chuck McGill walks into the newsroom, and he's giggling. He was like, "Man, Capital's going to be good for a while." I said, "What do you mean?" They had Tyree Pratt, who was a Kennedy Award winner at the time. They had Kayshawn Haley, who was a Kennedy Award winner at the time. And he tells me he's standing there with John Carpenter, Capital's coach, and there's somebody long tossing with Tyree Pratt, and he's throwing the ball in a tighter spiral, harder, just he looks like a better thrower than Tyree Pratt. And Chuck thought he had a transfer in. So he asked John Carpenter, who's that guy? Where'd he come from? And John starts giggling. He says, oh, that's Horace Mann Middle School's quarterback. He'll be here next year. It was Kerry Martin. And that was, and he was very, very good in high school after that. So he was a guy that I always had my eye on. I'm getting way off the topic here. No, no, it's good. Yeah, I, I go back to the recruitment of Ryan Switzer and all that his dad did as far as getting his name out there, using social media, going and talking to these coaches. And it kind of set the blueprint, I think for West Virginia kids to go see all these camps, see all these coaches, get in their ears, get your tape in front of them. And I think a kid like Switzer kind of opened 
a lot of coaches' eyes saying, man, there there might not be a ton of players in West Virginia, but the ones that are worth looking at, there might be four or five of them worth looking at. So let's get, and they all play each other because there's like three conferences for the 50 schools in West Virginia right mm-hmm. now. So it's not hard to get to see a couple guys that, that you might might want to recruit. Um, I think the success of the Mountain East Conference has helped push that. There's a very strong Division II conference footprint basically all over West Virginia, and you're starting to see more of those guys go into high school coaching and, and start developing players. And I know I'm, it sounds like I'm rambling, but there's just so much that goes into it. I just think everything as far as the quality of play – to the players, to the coaching, to the social media, all of that has risen and has brought some of these guys to the forefront. And you see places like Spring Valley in Wayne County, of all places, that's cranking out monsters, sending guys to play Division One offensive line all over the country, all over the top 25. So it's it's been really cool to see because you've kind of watched it happen right in front of you because I can remember before Ryan Switzer when your state player of the year, if he didn't go walk on at, at – WVU or take a partial scholarship at Marshall, he might be the big man on campus at Fairmont State or Concord, and that was in a, in a good year. So it's definitely – the level is definitely raised. I It's hard to put your finger on one thing, like I said, but but it's fun to see. The great thing is, too, is it's not just offensive linemen and defensive linemen now. It's skill position guys, and that wasn't necessarily the case. Every now and then you'd have you know one or two in, across a couple of years, and you'd have big guys who could obviously – play of the line and it was low risk and high reward if it worked out but now you're talking you know not only the impact lineman that we've seen but a guy like Kerry Martin or I mean just just look at the way the guys have played quarterback or running back or receiver and have actually moved on and up and like those skill positions that's a change and I think it's probably manifest to what you're talking about too that's what's built for social media like offensive lineman tape or defensive lineman tape not great for huddle not great for like tweeting but if you have some skill position talent, you're a quarterback or running back or receiver. That's going to pop off film too. That's got to be helpful, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you mentioned Kerry Martin. He was quarterback in high school predominantly, mm-hmm. and he had a pretty good offensive line in front of him. But when you're watching the Kerry Martin huddle tape, these guys look like they're world beaters. Partly because Kerry Martin was so good, but because the highlight tape is all of the best plays that their quarterback made. Of course, the offensive linemen are going to look good. That's good for them. I just it's so much fun watching all of this progress lately, because like I said, it it wasn't like this always. It wasn't like this when I, when I got into it and seeing guys like Switzer or Carrie Martin, or gosh, you talk about just the West Virginia guys that have been playing recently, Elijah Wellman at West Virginia or Dorian Etheridge at Louisville, Turan Rush, another capital guy who's been playing defensive line at Eastern Michigan the last couple of years, kind of off the radar, but he's been really good. Um, so many guys, man. They're, they're, it's been so much fun. And that's just the guys from here in the Canal Valley. The whole state's been putting out really good guys lately, and it, it's been awesome. Last one, Tom. You mentioned Division Two, a good conference, um, good good schools, good coaches, especially in the state now with a lot of name recognition, too. Um, kind of an under-the-radar, perhaps overplayed headline here was that Shea Campbell will transfer. And former walk-on scholarship player, starting experience at West Virginia, and he's told me he's going to a Division Two program. Chris and I had this harebrained idea on the podcast the other day that this is a trend. It's a loophole that players and coaches could exploit or not even exploit, but just take advantage of to their benefit where division two schools could say, Hey, let's get the division one guys who are out of division one eligibility, but still have a semester or more left. Let's have them play here. And there's a couple spots on every roster every year 
that you could probably accommodate there. Um, tell me why I'm crazy or tell me why I'm smart. I think it's a, it's a great idea. If it is so much different in division two than it is even at, at FCS at, at the one double a level that if you can go get a guy of the caliber, you mentioned Shea Campbell, he wasn't a world beater, but that's a guy that played big 12 football competitively for the better part of two years, three years, if you can go get a guy at West Virginia State to come in and play linebacker for you like that, you go get them. If they make that a path, absolutely. You use the word exploit, exploit it. Go do it until they tell you you can't do it anymore. They make life so hard for the Division Two teams that I don't know why they wouldn't. On the other side of it, if you're the player, well, yeah, if you want to play an extra year, you don't think necessarily that professional football is in your future. Maybe you want to start on a graduate degree. Maybe you've already got some progress on a graduate degree and you want to go finish. Maybe you just want to be closer at home to home. Maybe you just want to play another year of football and, and somebody's willing to pay for your school to allow you to do that. Yeah, go do it. it it's I don't see anybody who loses here. Tom Bragg, I'm going to request that everybody goes and visits inside WVSports.com and presses F5, what, 100 times? No, they need to go to this week in West oh, Virginia yeah. dot com and, <laughs> and press F five one hundred times. But yeah, we'll yeah, edit yeah, that. Do, <laughs> go, do, go do that. All right, all right. We have to take that one over again. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, you, you definitely did the salesmanship better than I did. But press it uh, uh, maybe maybe one hundred twenty five times now. I guess that'd be my my uh, may I culpa there. And also the Patreon too. Um, describe Patreon. I think it's a concept maybe people who haven't participated in this don't so, quite understand. Essentially. Patreon is sort of a gatekeeper, and behind that gate is content, content that that people create, obviously. In my case, there are several different tiers at which you can pay monthly, and for a couple bucks a month on mine, you get a newsletter every week, which is just me going over whatever's on my mind that week, the... Uh, the, the piece that Mike mentioned about Conference USA and the, and the Sun Belt was a an excerpt from an, from a newsletter. You get things about that length, maybe three, maybe three or four of them a week in your email box for that. Uh, for a couple bucks more a month, you get that plus the exclusive podcasts. For a couple bucks more a month, you get everything plus more and more. And it just sort of, I don't know, it's, it's a very convenient and easy way for people like me who want to create things, but also want to be paid for it, even just a little bit to do that without having to go through the hassle of like setting up a corporation or going through figuring out credit card payments. They, they take a little bit off the top, but they make it really easy. And it's, it's been great for me so far. I really enjoyed it. Jump over the paywall, everybody. It's a, it's a pretty cool place to get over there and, and, and you know, spread your, spread your arms and walk around and sample things too. So um, yes. Yeah. And we're this still, week... still building it up, still building it up. So there'll be more, every week and it's not a before we go sorry to cut you off but before if you sign up for it it's not a deal where you get everything from now on if you sign up you get access to everything we've posted on there in your tier ever so you 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 don't miss anything if you sign up you get it all uniquely qual uniquely qualified i'm just making a mess of the final 5 minutes here uniquely qualified tom bragg this week in wbsports.com Go check it out. Tom, uh, been far too long. We'll do this again in person sometime soon, I hope. But otherwise, uh, hey, good luck until then, all right? My man, I appreciate it. Anytime, Mike. Have Thanks again, bud. All right, man. Take care.